this is Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. It's facts about freedom. Let's pray. Father, I need your help. Please help me as I share your word. You are the teacher in this room. Speak to us, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. So I was in bondage and all caged up, uh, really a, um, in, in bondage to the fear of death. I was not at peace with, with, regarding whether or not I was going to heaven or going to hell when I was a teenager. So there's, there's just no way out for me, I thought. You know, the death is just unescapable. I just cannot escape the fear of death. And a lot of people are that way. But Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Those type of verses really started to give me peace. So I was very excited when I started to read about that. When I put my faith in Christ, I was no longer in bondage and in in, uh, in uh, so, so much anxiety that I had regarding death, all of that was wiped away when I started to really put my faith in Christ. So there's, there's something that God wants us to know when he frees us from those things, he doesn't want us to return and go back into bondage. He doesn't want us to be uh, held captive again to those things, but many times, that's what happens. We, we, we return, we go back to being held captive by the evil one. There's a story, this is a true story, of a woman who was in jail for about four years. Um, exactly what she did, I don't know. Uh, I, have a, I have a suspicion of what it could have been, but as the officer is taking her to the bus stop. She's free now. She's free. She, her time in jail is done. She's already done her time, and she's on her way to the bus stop, and the officer is driving her to the bus stop. When they get, when they get to the bus stop, something happens in the car with this lady who just got free. He calls the jail and says, I'm bringing her back. She needs to go back to jail. And so the person asked, well, what, what happened? Apparently, this woman bit the officer on his arm, and he was in a lot of pain, and he couldn't believe that this lady bit him. So she says, I'm taking her back to jail. And she had to go back to jail. And I, but it doesn't say in the story, it doesn't say why the woman bit the man. I didn't understand. So I, I used my imagination at this point. I'm thinking maybe the lady said to the man, sir, before you take me to the bus stop, can you please take me to McDonald's? I'm very hungry and I'd like a burger. And maybe the man said, I don't have time for that, ma'am. I got to get you to the bus stop. And maybe the man resembled a burger. So she hasn't had a burger, a good McDonald's burger for four years. And she decided to bite the man's arm instead. I don't know. That's what I was. I, I, I'm trying to think. Why would she bite 
this man who's taking her to the land of freedom. Why would you bite the driver? I was trying to figure it out, and I thought that was probably what happened. You might think that that's a crazy way to think, but this woman, the same day she was free, she goes back. It would be like the, the Israelites, they're free. They're taken out of Egypt, and they turn around and go right back the same day. They walk right back through the Red Sea. <laughs> they go all the way back. Why would that happen? Well, when Paul writes to the Galatians, he wants the Galatians to know that it's a foolish thing to go back to what Christ has delivered you from. What are some things that people are in bondage to? Well, sometimes it's the fear of death. Sometimes it's guilt. I was that way too. I had a lot of guilt for some bad things that I did as a teenager, and I was held captive by the devil. Guilt, hopelessness, anger, and bitterness. Some people walk around with this anger and bitterness. And you know what? Sometimes anger and, and bitterness is disguised with success. Now, what do I mean by that? For example, if a daughter is angry with her father who always says to her, you're so stupid, you can't do anything, out of her anger, she will get a degree. She will become successful just to show her dad, I'm not dumb like you think I am. And she's walking around really looking successful, but in her heart, she's angry at her dad just to prove it to him. But she looks successful, drives a very nice car, works for a great hospital or maybe is a great lawyer or whatever, but deep in her heart, there's this bitterness and, and why would we return, why would we allow sin to control us like that once we come to know Christ? I knew of a young lady who was dating a guy. He said, I'm going to marry you. Then he decided he didn't want to marry uh, this young lady. And she went and found another guy, not because she loved that guy, but just to show that ex-boyfriend, I can get somebody. I don't need you. It's like... We go from following Christ, loving the Lord, and somehow, some way, we get detoured to let something, let sin control us. But sometimes it does, it's not so obvious that sin is controlling us, but God sees our hearts. Lust, pornography, bondage. Bondage to our weakness, drugs, alcohol, the love of money, gambling, insecurities, loneliness, demonic attacks, the fear of failure, the fear of disappointments, depression, all of these things. And God does not want us to return to all of that because he wants us to be set free. Here are some facts about freedom that we need to keep in mind, okay? Enjoy freedom with no U-turns. Now, that, that's not coming in each one, though. So maybe we didn't do that. Maybe we didn't. That's okay. So, freedom, try not to read all of this, please. Stay with me. Freedom is a generous gift from Christ that provides love, hope, power to be all that God intended you to be. Freedom to stand 
and run well. Look with me so you don't look up there. Look with me in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 1. Verse 1 says, it was, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Keep standing firm. So freedom is God. He's, he's generously giving us this gift. Hope and power. Love, hope, and power to be all that God intended us to be. Freedom to stand and run well. When you're not free, try not to read that. Stick with me. Stay with me. When you're not um, free in Christ, the devil has you bound. You can't stand strong because the devil's always beating you down, so there's no way you can stand strong. That's why Paul writes in another place, stand firm then. Stand firm. Having done all to stand. When you're standing, the devil doesn't like to see a Christian standing. He wants to beat you down. But when you're free, you're free to stand in the strength of the Lord. Amen? There's, there's new power. There's new strength you can have. But when you're caged up, when you're held captive by the devil, he keeps you down. And if you can't stand, you certainly can't run for the Lord. You can't run in the right direction. You can't go to the places God wants you to go. You can't be who he's, who he's called you to be. So he wants you to be free. He wants you to stand and stand strong in the Lord. The devil attempts to use distractions, discouragement, and deception to get us to make U-turns away from freedom and back to a life of unnecessary bondage. And what we need to do is consider our company. First Corinthians, uh, whoever turned that off, that was a good idea. You can do that. That was, that was good. I think somebody turned it off earlier. Is that what you did? Rufus, where are you? You did a good thing. Do it. You can turn it off. Good. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company will cause you to make a U-turn away from freedom. You're on this road of freedom, enjoying your relationship with Christ, and if you don't have the right company, the right people to spur you on in the right direction, you'll end up going away from the Lord. Consider who are your friends? Who do you talk to? Who do you communicate with? Who are your best friends? Do they really, do they pray? Do they just say they're Christians? Are they really walking in the Spirit? Will they tell you things to correct you if you're having a bad attitude? Or are they those nominal Christians who just, yeah, they say they're believers, but they really don't love Jesus. They really don't fear God. You have to stay away from those. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride are the three of the main distractions that the devil will use. Those are the three things. To get you, to get off the road to freedom, to get you back into bondage. Get you back into Egypt. You start thinking about, you know, it really wasn't that bad. And then you forget that you were empty. You were feeling guilty. The thrill was just temporary. So the devil's like, come back this way. Come back this way. Lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh. Pride. People will think really nice things about you. 
if you do this. Jesus, if you jump from the top of the temple, the angels will come and they'll grab you. And boy, will people start cheering for you. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride. These are things, the, the more you realize, the more you understand the devil's strategy that he will use to get you to stop enjoying your freedom in Christ, he says, I'll show you real freedom. He said to the prodigal son, I'll show you real freedom. Get out of this man's house because he's just trying to take all of your fun. Come this way. I'll show you real freedom. And then he found himself eating pig's food. That's what the devil wants to do. Because you're really free. Adam and Eve, you have so much going for you. Why would you listen to the devil? You have all of this freedom. And the devil says, no, no, no. You don't know what freedom really is. Come this way. So this is why Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, who has bewitched you? Who has fooled you? Who has put a spell on you to make you think that you didn't have all that you needed, that you have to do this particular thing to really enjoy freedom, to really enjoy a sense of security. The devil will even use religious things sometimes to make you think it's something better than Jesus. But we have to be careful with that. Yep, I touched the right thing. I'm pretty sure I did, bro. You said the right button, right? So, uh-huh, uh-huh, there it is. Beware of religious bondage, which is exactly what I just said to you. Okay, so Galatians, thank you, bro. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, look at verses 2 to 6 with me. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision... Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. That, sir, that, that, that religious practice that made some people feel that they were more righteous than others. You have been severed from Christ. Who, who are You who are seeking to be justified by law you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So what, is, what does all that mean? What does all that mean? Well, let's look at this. And by the way, James chapter 2, verse 10 says that if you are guilty of not keeping one of the commandments, you are guilty of all. So this is why if you're trying to gain salvation by keeping God's rules, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short. Don't depend on your own efforts. If our own efforts could save us, Jesus would have never come. This is why a lot of Christians can't worship Jesus properly because they're still depending on themselves. They have not totally said, Jesus, I'm depending on you alone for my salvation. You're my only hope. 
That's the beginning of worship. That's the, that's the first step of really understanding who Jesus is. Unless you really embrace him as your only hope and you still think you can do something to impress him, then you will never really worship him in spirit and in truth because there's really no uh, appreciation. You still think in the back of your mind, I earned it. I deserve to be here. I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice girl. I went to church most of the time. I did this, I did that. But the scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen? So we got to really be careful that we're not doing all these righteous things. So this trap doesn't even look like a trap. This religious trap, it doesn't look like a trap. It looks very reverent. Keep in mind, Nicodemus was doing this type of thing daily. But Jesus looked him in the eye and said, you must be born again. Here was a Pharisee doing things just right, and Jesus still said to him, you need a brand new start, Nicodemus. Some of you need to hear this because you have a next door neighbor that's very, very sweet and goes to church every Sunday and has her rosary beads and she prays to Guadalupe and, she does, and she's so sweet and she's going to hell. She's a sweet, sweet, nice lady. And God has put you next to her to tell her the truth about God's love. God's unconditional love. But we need to tell that old lady, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way. Tell that sweet lady, God forbid that she dies and you never tell her that Jesus said, I am the way. I'm not a way. I'm not one of many ways. I'm not one uh, nice little statue you can put up there and, and, and have respect for me along with all these other things, idols, tell the truth in love. Amen? We need to tell her the truth in love. We need to tell him the truth in love. Very, very important. But it doesn't look like a trap. But it is because only Jesus can save, not our religious practices. Depending on religious practices for salvation instead of Christ, what does that mean? That means... You walk away from blessings, from the blessings of Christ. You are forfeiting all of these blessings that Christ wants to give you. You're trying to get them on your own. What is number two here? You have to keep the whole law perfectly. And you, if you ask the little old lady, can you do this perfectly? She will say most of the time, they'll say, no, no es posible, no soy perfecto. No, none of us are perfect. So you share the good news with her. You don't have to depend on yourself for salvation because none of us are perfect. But Jesus, you can depend on him. Amen? Okay, what's number three? You depend on the law for righteousness. Abraham was declared righteous because he believed what God said. Amen? Believing. Some of the people ask Jesus, so what is this work that you're talking about? And Jesus says, the work that I'm talking about is to believe. He who believes will have eternal life if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Okay. 
You have fallen away from grace with pride and false security. If I believe that my religious practices can save me instead of Jesus, if I believe that Jesus' work on the cross was not good enough and I still need to do a little something, that's one of the most prideful things that I can think. It's like saying, your work wasn't good enough. I need to help you, Jesus. You talk about pride. He doesn't want us to be prideful. He wants us to humbly say, I need you. There's no other way I can be saved. And that's what the Word says. There's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's only one way. There's only one way. Religious rituals, this is what he's saying. It doesn't even matter. He says it doesn't matter if you're circumcised, which was that process of the, the foreskin being cut off from the man's private. You know all of that. Okay. But it, he says whether you're circumcised or not, it doesn't even matter. That's what Paul said. Stop making a big deal out of this. It, it really gets interesting as, we, as, as he goes, as he talks more about this. But faith in Christ's love for us should result in us loving Christ and others, according to verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. But faith works through love. If I'm showing, if, if one of the greatest ways I can show faith in God is by keeping his commands, by loving him and loving others. That demonstrates my faith. Faith without works is dead. So if I say I really believe in Jesus, then it will show in how I love him and how I love others. That's the evidence of my faith. Does she really believe that Jesus died for her sins? Well, let's see how much she loves him. Because Jesus said it this way too. Those who are forgiven much, love much. The lady, the, 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 the lady who brought that al alabaster box, right? And she's wiping his feet with her tears, washing her feet. Oh, she loved the Lord because she believed that he truly is the Savior, her own personal Savior. Her love was, dem her, her faith was demonstrated through her love. Because she really believed in him, she demonstrated love for him. Does this make sense? Faith works by love. It's, it's, it, it goes hand in hand. Do you really believe that he loves you? Well, you will show love for him. You will show love for others, if you really believe he loves you, you will respond with a heart of worship and love if you really believe he loved you first. It goes hand in hand. So faith in Christ's love for us should result in us loving Christ and others. We love him because we believe he loved us first by his grace. Now, keep running in the right direction. We got to keep running in the right direction. Galatians chapter 5, look with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 10. And it reads, you were running well. He's saying to the Galatians, you were running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. In other words, if it didn't come from Jesus, this is straight from hell. This is straight from the devil. This persuasion didn't come from God. 
Look at verse 9. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. How many of you bake here? Any bakers? Bake, you bake bread, you bake cake. You put a little leaven in there, and it kind of blows up, doesn't it? Just a little leaven, just a little leaven, just a little leaven. It's like he's asking, who did you let in your church? Who snuck in? What little leaven came in and started to just make... And most of the time when leaven is talked about in the scripture, most of the time it's negative. It's something negative. And in this case, it's negative again. Who did you let in? Who did you allow in? As the pastor, I would call myself the under-shepherd, the real pastor, the, the ultimate pastor of this church is Jesus Christ. Amen? He is the head of this church. But as the under-shepherd who is given the responsibility of overseeing, I have to be careful of who comes in. I have to pray, Lord, give me discernment. Do you want this person here or not? Because if you don't want them here, I don't want them here. I pray that all the time. I do. And I also say, Lord, if you want them here, please, I want them here too. I don't want any leaven messing up the dough. Amen? So that's what he says. That's what he says here. A little leaven, it can really mess things up. Look at verse 10. I have, I have confidence in you in the Lord. That's interesting how he says that. He doesn't say I have confidence in you. He says I have confidence in you in the Lord. I know what the Lord can do if you let him fill you with his spirit. I know it could happen. So I have some confidence in you in the Lord. It says here. That I have confidence um, verse in the Lord that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is, whoever that little leaven is that came and messed up the dough and started deceiving you, making you think other things. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I persecuted? If I'm agreeing with these false teachers, why are they persecuting me? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. So I went further there than I was supposed to there, but look at this. There are demonic distractors that attempt to get us off track from running in the path of blessings. Demonic distractions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but the devil tries to get us to go the other way. Be alert for 11 in the dough, although it seems small. So there's a screening process that's needed in churches. I was at a church recently, and somebody stood up and says, we need more musicians, we need more this, we need more that. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm, okay. I hope they have an application process. I hope they just don't let any musician come in because a little leaven, somebody say amen, just a little bit of love and you let them in there. If they, they might be a very, very talented singer. They might be a talented preacher. They might do great in children's ministry. GT has a process, application process. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for people that are following Jesus. Somebody say amen. Because nobody's perfect. We realize that. But if you're not practicing righteousness, and we're going to let people who are not practicing righteousness in to the church to be involved in ministry, 
Then we're exposing our children and other believers to the leaven that can mess up the whole dose. So we have to be very, 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 very careful. When we correct others, we need to also affirm them in Christ. That's why he says, I have confidence. I like, I like how he said it. He says, I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view. I know that as long as Jesus is filling your heart, I know God will keep you from making the wrong decision. I have confidence in you in the Lord. <laughs> That's interesting. And we need to, if we're, if we're correcting someone, if we're correcting our teenagers, we need to say, you know what? I just have confidence that God is going to do something beautiful in your life as you walk in him. As you, you see, you're giving them hope. You're not saying things like, you're just, you just embarrass me so much. There's just no hope for you. No, no, no. That's not what he says to the Galatians. He says, I have confidence of what the Lord can do in and through you. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you will adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you will be judged. There will be judgment. There will be. Distractors, those who the devil is using to distract God's people, will be judged. So the Bible says, avoid them in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 1. Avoid them. Don't look it up. Look it up later on. Listen to the sermon later on when you get home or whenever. Okay. This is our last one. Look at this. Galatians 5, 11 through 15, as we close. Look at this. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, this, this religious ritual that these guys are making a big deal about, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I need to explain that. Don't be surprised when you preach the cross to people, share the gospel with people. For example, um, on it, when we were sharing the gospel with Luis, he was very open to the gospel, heart wide open, listening. But there are some people who don't want to hear it. It's a stumbling block. It offends people when you tell them they're sinners and they need a savior. Or depending on what culture you're in, they think that you're anti-Catholic or, or you're, if you're in the Middle East, you're anti-Muslim. And so there's this, they, they, they don't want to hear it. It's a stumbling block. It offends. It's, a, it's that it's either this stumbling block will cause you to fall to the feet of Jesus or it'll cause you to fall and the, the very block will crush you. There's two ways that can, two things that can happen. It offends. It cuts. It can hurt when they hear that there's no other hope, that they're sinners. I don't know, I don't know how Nicodemus responded to it. But he did believe. Amen? He showed evidence that he believed too. Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Verse, verse 12, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves, that they would castrate themselves. Don't worry, I'll explain that. That's some rough language, I know. For you were called to, to, to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, let's go through this. What does all that mean? Paul's persecution was proof that, he, that his teaching was different from the false teachers. He was willing to suffer for the sake of God's sheep. You see the shepherd there? 
He, he is the door. And if any wolf wants to come, he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. So that's what Jesus does for us. Paul was willing to go through hard times for the sake of these sheep. Hard times. Because Jesus laid down his life for us. He was willing to suffer for the sake of God's sheep. It's very, very important. Why would he wish for something so harsh in verse 12? He's saying, I wish these guys that are talking about circumcision, I wish that they'll just cut the whole thing off. What a, what a harp. Why would he even say that? And I'll tell you why. Because during that time, there were these guys called the priests of Sibyl. The priests of Sibyl or Sibyl or Sibele, whatever you want to call them. They were eunuchs who cut it off. And so during that time, I'm sure that there were people that saw those men and they thought, that's pretty extreme. Why would they do that? I wouldn't, <laughs> I would never want to do such a thing. But it was very common at that time. So when Paul said this, he knew that his audience was aware of that type of practice. But think about this. He's saying if they, if they cut it all off, or if they castrate themselves, you all will see how extreme and ridiculous this really is. That's one benefit if, if they cut it all off. The other thing is, these men would not be able to reproduce anymore. Reproduction, will, they will not pass this foolishness on to the next generation. Paul is using some very strong language to say, this is a very, very serious matter. And God does that in the scriptures many times. You think, you think that's extreme? You need to read through some Old Testament passages, some things that God said to Ezekiel, some things that God said to Jeremiah of what will happen to people who are judged because they're not listening to truth. God doesn't play when it comes to these things. And Paul isn't playing around either. But that's where he's coming from. He's trying to get the point across that this is ridiculous. This is foolishness. Instead of trusting in Christ, they're trusting in a religious tradition that has nothing to do with salvation by grace. Freedom is for the opportunity to love God and others as we love ourselves. Instead of attacking each other, we should protect each other from the attacks of Satan. I want to read that last verse again. Look at, look at this. Verse 15. Verse 15. It says, but if you, I actually didn't read it earlier, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. What should you do instead? Verse 14. Go back up to verse 14. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be alert for the devil's tricks. What he was saying was that these folks should be focusing on the love of Christ, the grace 
of Christ and how you should show that same love to each other. That's what these teachers should be focusing on. Instead, they're telling you that you need to practice this law and the law can't save you. It can't. All the, one of the things that the law did was show us our need for a savior. So as we're continuing to go through the book of Galatians, let's ask God to show us what, what are these things that we need to be focusing on. Paul wants us to experience, he's writing here, telling the Galatians about the freedom that's in Christ, not making any U-turns, not depending on religion because that's bondage. Keep running. He says you were running so well. What did what? What distracted you from focusing on the grace of God? Why are you now returning to something? Now, in this case, it was a religious practice. But in other situations, it might not be a religious practice. Maybe it's a relationship you should not be in. Maybe it's the love of money. Whatever it is, if you made that U-turn, make another U-turn <laughs> and come back to Jesus. Amen? Say, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm trusting in you alone for real love, joy, peace, security. I'm not trusting in some other way because Jesus, you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nothing else. No one else. Well, I hope that message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 